today. I am here to give you the assurance that I have not forgotten you. If we want to see the new evangelization become more than just jargon, if we want to see it grow legs and gain traction and change the world, we have got to take seriously our responsibilities as husbands and fathers and especially as sons of God. I want to propose to you then that something that our world is desperately in need of in the midst of this crisis is Catholic Christian masculinity. If you want to be a good father, then bring your children to confession with you. I can't get there unless I become a man of ascesis, a man of asceticism, a man of training. A man not doing penance, a man not disciplined, he's not a man. You guys have upped your game. You know what, guys, I gotta say, I, I love this the concept of man show. Warning, the Catholic man show is about to begin. This is the Catholic Man Show. We're on the Lord's team, the winning side. So raise your glass. I'm Adam Minahan sitting here with David Niles. My mic okay, Dave? Yeah. Okay, you were acting like my mic was not okay. No, that's not the way I was acting. Oh, okay. But we also have a special guest today with us. One one guy that I'm very excited to be here. He's always a, a friend of ours that I love speaking with. Return guest. Yes, a returned guest. Our smart friend, Thomas. Thomas Lackey. Thomas, thanks for hanging out with us again. Thanks for having me. We had an episode a while back. We had two episodes with you uh, on the five philosophers, Catholic guys should know, and the Eucharist, correct? Yeah. So you can go back and check those out as well. Yeah. What are you What are you doing over there, Dave? They're eating a brownie. <laughs> uh, I don't know why we haven't had brownies on the show before. That would be. That's, it's a man show. Brownies are brownies are are a win. Yeah, they are at my house anyway. Yeah. I don't know if brownies aren't a win at your house. I don't want to come over. That's the thing. Okay. I like that, that I, makes sense. Actually. I like going to houses that support. Brownies. The thing about it is, uh, we've been running low on brownies at, at the Minahan house for a while, mm. um, until we just had our baby boy Leo. Right. And when when you have congrats, thank you, thank you. And yeah, we yeah, have, congratulations. Thank you to my wife as well. Yeah, she's the one that really went through it all. She did good. She did a really good job. <clears throat> uh, but the thing about it is, is, when you have a baby, people bring you food mm-hmm. um, afterwards, which is awesome yeah uh and they always bring desserts which is also awesome because then when you're driving home from work you're always like i wonder what it's gonna be what are they gonna bring what are they gonna so now now it's like what we were talking about earlier is like i gotta eat this brownie so that i can eat these other brownies that that are they're coming today yeah so we're i mean i'm having the next one just for the brownies really (laughs) so we have a plethora of brownies in in the minahan house right now but so let's talk about this drink really quick before we get into the topic because we're gonna get jump into the topic pretty quick. Uh, this is a drink that we've had, Dave. We've had this drink for probably like three months, and we've exercised prudence on waiting to open it. I, I have. It's like a blessing exorcism, you know. Like I exercised the prudence, you know. I was ah. trying to decide if it was prudence or temperance in this case. Well, even if it was temperance, it would I think it's patience. Be prudence. No, it'd be pr- prudence. It's t- patience. <laughs> 
Prudence is the top of the four cardinal virtues. So it would thus fall under. Do you do you put a value on specificity or don't you? I do. So uh, Sheldon Hahn gave this to us. Uh, he, he walked the Camino. Ooh. And so while he was walking the Camino, he brought this back for us. So all the way from Portugal? Portugal. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So he brought this back to us to, pretty to right. try yeah, on. It's pretty awesome. And I'm a big fan. Like, I don't know why port gets a bad rap. For some some people don't like port, which is like, I don't know why. It's delicious. It's very yeah. easy to drink. Um, it's, That's what I think. It's sweet. I mean, it's not overbearingly sweet. You know, it's not like it's a... It's not like... Cool, can, it's not like, candy. It's not candy. It is valid matter, by the way. Valid matter. Yeah. You yeah. could totally say mass if you were a priest with, with port. port. So... Yeah. Uh, you know, I really like port, uh, but I also like it in the winter time. It, I, I like it more in the winter time than the, than in the summer. So I've been kind of holding off, waiting until it got a little cooler outside hmm. before we opened it up. Before we had, you know, heating and things like that. That's one of the reasons they fortify the wine so it wouldn't freeze, which is part of why it's also valid matter. Because they were like, well, could we use this wine that's not frozen? Like, yeah, you can use that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> We do have wine, Father, and I'll chip you off some. Because, yeah. you know, the, the, I mean, obviously... You want to hold it in your hand throughout the mass it, it and warm it up. Uh, it still doesn't freeze as easily as water, even just regular wine, but, like, the more alcohol, yeah. the, less, the, the lower the temperature. Right. So so this is Sandeman's Founders Reserve. Sandeman's. Sandeman's Founders Reserve, Ruby Port, um, that we're going to have today. So it's from Shelton Hahn, who's a Council of Man member. He also... Hooked me up with, uh, he's an he works on appliances, and my dryer went out, so he was very nice to come over and help me hook, like, we had to replace a part, so, anyway. It's so good to know people. Yes. You know what I mean? To Shelton. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. Cheers to Jesus. Cheers. It smells like wine. delicious very good yep goes great with this brownie yeah that's what it said actually on the back it said or it said cheeses or a rich chocolate dessert is what it accompanies yeah so let's um, just before we keep going yes this was established by george sandeman in 1970 he's been waiting to say that since the sandeman beginning. oh yeah whatever he was yeah, whatever, um, um uh, this reserve captures the full rich flavors which are the essence of top-class Porto port. Superb on its own, served in a large glass. I thought that was important, okay? So don't, guess don't, it needs to breathe or don't something. Don't hold back, okay? Don't hold back. Uh, with um, cheeses or rich chocolate desserts as an aperitif, chilled or on ice. And that this is also this is also the last part. Enjoy with friends, so you're allowed to do... Mm. You're allowed to drink it with friends. Uh, with family, okay, yeah. Or when relaxing alone, you know, by yourself. That's what they say. Good anytime, apparently. No one will know. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks, Sean, for, for uh, bringing this to us all the way from Portugal, walking the Camino. I've, that's something I've wanted to do someday. Oh, yeah, me I'd too. Li I'd like to check that totally. off the box. Yeah, my brother-in-law is, is planning on doing that uh, next year. So we'll really? see how that goes. That's pretty cool. Uh, so Thomas, we we brought you on today. There's a lot of things that I'd like to actually talk to you about. There's a lot of topics that we have kind of in the hopper, if you will, that hopefully someday we'll be able to get to. But we, we brought you on today to talk about the Psalms, which I thought was, uh, you know, that's 
a great thing to talk about. Next week we're gonna we're gonna be with Father Donovan talking about the Maccabees. Mm-hmm. So we're doing a couple of different Bible books of the Bible, which I think is is a good thing. One thing about the Bible that I constantly struggle with is is I just I wish that I loved it more. Like I wished that I fell in, like I, I would fall in love with the Bible even more when I have like opportunities to read, and it's like either I could read the Bible or I could read. Augustine or Bible or you know some some other book that I have going I really struggle to gravitate towards the Bible at times when I probably should mm. um which yeah. even Augustine would be like it's completely worthless probably to, to read me if you're no actually I thought Augustine was an interesting pick there because when the when Augustine first read the Bible he didn't like it very much uh, he'd been reading some of the great philosophers and, and uh, like Cicero and their very elegant style of writing and the translation that he was working with that the Bible was pretty inelegant and he's like and he just just wasn't for him he thought at first so it was a it was a lifetime project for for him as well but the Psalms featured featured heavily in that uh, there's a great quote from he's talking about reading the Psalter where at one point he says that as I read I was set on fire and that so that's a good intro into the psalms do i need to set forward just there a little go. bit yeah so well, anyway it's a good good segue into the psalms yeah and we're drinking port a wine and like psalms 104 talks about how the wine wine makes gladdeth the heart of man is it true so i don't a good remember link. the number but yeah that yeah i think it's 104 something yeah. like that anyway but that that's yeah, something that the, i do str- the prophecies with. in the psalms about the christ is that he would bring the manna from heaven and that it would be a time of flowing wine, you know, like this abundance. And both are in the mass. Yeah, and the, the mass, the mass is sort of just infused with psalms. Uh, the introit is almost always uh, a psalm. The the offertory, the gradual, the there's there's very psalms as the priest washes his fingers. There's, there's another psalm as he goes around the altar and so forth. So the, the mass is almost psalms start to finish. Yeah. So, who wrote the Psalms? That's a good place to start. Yeah, that is a good place to start. So, David was the principal author of the Psalms. We're we're Mm -hmm. rewinding 3,000 years, so it's about 1,000 BC. And he wrote uh, the majority of the Psalms. Now, there's two traditions on this. One is that he wrote all the Psalms. Um, oh really? Yeah, that's the minority position, but it, yeah. it, there was there it does exist like as a as a as a as a fairly strong tradition. But the 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 the, the more common position is that he wrote the majority of the Psalms, but that the titles the, the titles are quite detailed, and some of them say things like of David or of Asaph or of Moses. It's a little unclear always what that means. Like, does that literally mean authorship or? Is it a collection of Davidic psalms versus another collection of these other psalms? Um, I think the, the the strongest likelihood is that that it's authorship. But that, that's, like I said, that's a, to scholars, you know, they go back and forth on that quite a bit. But uh, so David, the principal author, but probably probably other authors as well. Um, well, Moses is accredited with one. Uh, I think, let's see, I got some notes actually on who's got what, but. I think Asaph has like eleven, the sons of Korah, eight or ten. This is the like Song that. of Solomon. Well, that's a different. Book. That's a totally different book, right? But, yeah. but yeah. he was writing poetry. Although Solomon is credited with two, although right. whether it's the same Solomon, I don't know. Yeah. Okay, so when we get back, we're gonna continue talking about the Psalms. Uh, talk about actually have a little bit of a man gear before we yeah get continue the topic. So, one of the Lord's team, the winning side. So raise your glass. 
Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I am David Niles here with Adam Minahan and our smart friend Thomas Lackey. Someday, Thomas, for propriety's sake, we should have a smart off between you and Father Donovan. Ooh. To see I, I don't know that, that that to see who can be smarter. I don't see how this ends well. Oh, you know, it's going to end well for, for us. For me, it would be it would be. Uh, I would enjoy great it. Great fun to observe. So uh, we were talking about the age of the Psalms. So I kind of wanted to to leap back and just say the timing is really important on those because at the time that David starts writing, using the Phoenician alphabet, but by the time that the Psalms are complete, you're over into the Aramaic style of lettering. Right? I should I said alphabet more like script. So how how long would that have taken to? How long would that have? Seems like that would take place over a long period of time, which would therefore rule out the possibility of David being the sole author author of all the Psalms. Well, you would think so. Uh, the, the 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 question is whether or not they were just simply all transliterated over, or whether or not you uh, they, you know some of the ones that uh, like by the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept. Is that prophetic, or is that written by someone in Babylon lamenting the fate of Israel? So mm. I mean, the the, the the majority weighs on on the side of yes that like so you've got we see the psalms begin at a thousand but then they go all the way through the babylonian captivity and uh, the exact date as to when the last psalm was written is is you know open but, but i can see that that'd be hard to hard to nail down yeah but so the but the, the gist of it is it becomes kind of interesting because the the psalms are part of the the standard liturgical worship of israel it's it's they're it's there's Psalms for all of the the like the, you know well, I think it's Psalm seven or uh, was is during Purim and stuff like that. So you've got all these and but for all the other liturgical celebrations as well. But as the the language starts to change during the Babylonian captivity, while the 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 Psalms themselves are in Hebrew, but the people are lose the ability to read them, right? Because they can't read in the Phoenician or Can- Canaanite style. Hmm. writing hmm. anymore so you have to you have to update those all into the new into the new script which is true of actually of all the scriptures we'll get into that if we ever do a thing on the history of the bible but uh so that, that it, it makes for an interesting gap because there's 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 a you you see at least a lot of the, the theory of that you, you see some differences between the septuagint and then between the, the Hebrew text and a lot of the ideas that perhaps... The, Septuagint were, was written in Greek. It was around 200-ish, 200 BC. And around Jesus' time, there was a lot of people who didn't think the Septuagint was part of the Bible. Well, and yeah, so anyway, the, the connection is that some have speculated, and again, this is all tricky scholarship, but that part of the, the distinctions between the two have to do with different versions uh, being resulting from the different copying. Because in neither alphabet did you have vowels, or spaces, or distinction between weird. the words, or the sentences. So it seems it's, like a bad system. Well, it's heavily dependent on tradition, right? It's an oral tradition as at, at the same time it's a written tradition. I can see why the glottal sound made it into the, yeah. like, <laughs> how else do you pronounce like K F W T? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like this. Basically, all you <laughs> going with that, right? All you end up saying, you know. So the, the point of that kind of interlude is just to get into the idea that this was a lived process. 
through the Psalms. That you didn't. It's not like some. It's not just like a book that just fell down, complete one to one hundred and fifty, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. done. Yeah. It's it's the it's the life of the people of of of, of God in Israel. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the it's 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 stretched out over more than five hundred years of of well and and into, into today. But you know what I mean. Even over over the the time of their 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 some their composition and their the kind of lived experience of saying these day in and day out. And throughout all the changes that surround that. Before we go on, let's touch on the man gear for the episode, oh, just okay. real briefly. Yeah. Yes. So uh, these are brownies that were. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's let's actually talk about the man. Oh, gear. you guys have a man gear? Yeah. Go go ahead. Okay. Thomas. We yeah, have two so, man gears today. I, I hold this up. I don't know if you can see. This is my daily psalm. So this is just the Psalms, a little mm-hmm. pocket-sized, and so that it is arranged according to the divine office. So uh, traditionally, the Psalms uh, have been prayed, the entire Psalter uh, is prayed every week. So that's what priest and religious, mm-hmm. for, and then also in, in, uh, in, in Judaism, that was the tradition. And this is arranged that way. So you start on, you know, matins on Sunday, and you go all the way through Compline on Saturday, and you have prayed the whole Psalter. So it's kind of a full-time job. It, it Well, it's not so bad when it's just the Psalms. The Divine Office has other hymns and, and, and things around. Yeah. I guess if you're just reading it and not chanting it like the monks do very often, it doesn't take as long. It doesn't take also, as long. Also, yeah. But so, so this is the man gear, because I think every, every Catholic man needs this, because we all need to be praying the Psalms. They're the prayer of the Church. Uh, they're, you know, they're, they are, then they should, you know, be our prayer, too. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you, you mentioned that there was a there's 150 psalms. Yep. Um, the correlation between that and the rosary. Okay, correlation between that and the rosary. Um, so the the psalms, uh, Saint Thomas brings out, and in, in his view that they're they're grouped into three groups of 50. We'll talk about the, uh, another view that they're in five books, but but the point of we're going to stick on this for the moment is Saint Thomas sets them into three groups of 50, and you think of the the, the mysteries of the rosary. They're, it, you, you're, you're set again into three groups of 50. And it was the way that lay people were able to participate in the prayer of the church. They didn't necessarily know how to read. Uh, even if they did know how to read, they didn't necessarily have a Psalter that they carried around with them. Mm-hmm. But you, it, it, you can... Scrolls, you, can, you know. Yeah. <laughs> didn't fit in your back pocket very well. No, and, and, and while the monks had mostly me- <clears throat> uh, memorized the psalm, that was a common requirement to memorize the whole book, uh, that you that the lay people again probably hadn't memorized all 150 psalms. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, but they could memorize the Hail Mary, right? And so the you know you you have that that correlation where for lay people to enter into the prayer of the of the priests and of the religious the the, the prayer of the church, they said, well, I'll pray you know this prayer for every psalm, and so it it, it connects. It, there's an almost I mean it. it they're inextricably linked. They're so tied. Praying the rosary is meant to be a participation in the praying of the psalms. Right. So then if you pray, you know, the original three, the joyful, the sorrowful, sorrowful and the uh, glorious. glorious, thank you, then you've prayed 150 Hail Marys between those five decades. And so then that would be one for each of the psalms, which is yeah. what people were doing. Exactly, and that's why they were doing it. Right. So I actually made a note on that. So, so when St. Thomas separates them out, he separates them out into a, a set for penitence, then a set for justice, and then a set for eternal glory. And those do actually, if you think about it, kind of match up. I made some kind of notes on it, but for the joyful, 
it's it, it relates at least to penitence in this right that the, the of, of our Lord coming to save us from our sins right this is this is this is the the reason of his coming uh, to, to save us and then on the sorrowful you see uh, judgment and the price of those sins being worked out and of course uh, the glorious for eternal glory that the analogy there is not not too tricky mm-hmm. so yeah the, the, the mysteries line up too there's just so much there's so many levels so many layers to the psalms and what what really opened my eyes to this was when i read um a dark night of the soul by saint john of the cross and i'm audiobooking that right now and i i think i bad no I, don't I should, do that yeah i should have just bought, you gotta you gotta go slow it. Yeah, because audiobooking wasn't the right... Audiobooks, I think, are for fiction. I think, know. Or I think audiobooks are for stories. Whether those stories are fiction or not, it doesn't matter. But, you know, anyway... Dark Night of the Soul is not a good audiobook. Yeah, so anyway, but he talks in there about how David is essentially going through the different levels and different aspects of the spiritual life. And, you know, he points out how, like, look in this psalm. Here he is going through um, desolation, and God is, he's crying out to God. He feels like he's been abandoned, and then here he is rejoicing in his consolation. Mm-hmm. And he just paints a, uh, a very beautiful picture, the way he ties so many of these psalms together mm-hmm. in ways that I had never appreciated before. Yeah, St. Basil talks about this, that basically the whole of human experience is in the Psalms. And also all of theology. I, there's, a, there's a quote that I'll come up with uh, eventually, but it, when he t- it's one of these things that the, the idea is also that as you pray them, you enter into them. So it, uh, there, this one I will grab. It says, it, it, it's as it, through, though it were one's own words that is read, and anyone who hears them is moved at heart as though they voiced for him his deepest thoughts. Mm-hmm. So there's St. Augustine brings this out too. That there's an idea of of us discovering our own voice in the Psalms, so that it's it's not it's we we enter into the prayer of the church, but we enter into the prayer of Christ. Uh, Augustine is very big on the idea of of uh, of of the prayer of the Psalms as the prayer of Christ, the whole Christ, totus Christus, head and body. So that when we pray the Psalms, we pray with Christ. So it's 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 it. It's in that way also uh, related uh, sort of to the mass and by analogy. So that where the mass becomes the sacrifice, you know, par excellence, the, the sacrifice of the mass, and the psalms are the sacrifice of praise in which Christ offers praise. So, Yeah, I just think it's so important to know them because when it comes to just a one-liner that might be the perfect thing to explain the way you feel, you know, to like add to your prayer, you know, because sometimes you'll come across one in just the daily readings and you're just like, oh, that's exactly, that's exactly how I feel. Or this is, you know, whether you're going through a hard time or a great time or something, there's a, there's a psalm that is just going to be, put your words, put your feeling into words in such a prayerful way, probably better than you could do anyway. Oh, so. absolutely. Well, they're our Lord talking, right? Right, so. yeah. Indirectly, at least. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes directly. Sometimes, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes it is directly, yeah. Anyway, we'll be right back. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass.
Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. Sitting here with our best bud, Dave. Uh, I'm sitting here with David Niles, my best bud, and also our best bud, Thomas Lackey, talking oh. about the Psalms. There's Thomas Lackey right there. There he on. is. You There's can, good old Thomas. Make sure you check us out on YouTube because you catch all the in-between segments, our combos in-between segments. Um, we are talking about the Psalms. Thomas, I think one of the things that I struggle with, this is just me personally, it was, it was as I read the Psalms growing up, um, in mass and you know just when we were reading the Bible together as a family I just had no relation to what was being written like I just had no recollection or I had no understanding of like really what they meant I could not relate to it whatsoever um, and I th- found a lot of it kind of flowery language you know some of its p- poetry which like just completely turned me off immediately um, and but as I've grown up a little bit a little at least a little bit um, and I've experienced more things. I it seems like that I've been able to relate a lot more of my life to the Psalms, kind of like what you were talking about last segment. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's going to be a standard sort of process of just growing up in the faith. Um, the other thing is I think that as we come to realize that we enter into the Psalms in advance, right? We may not be going through a hard time right now, but reading the Psalms that have to do with hard times prepares us for when they come. And maybe we're going through a hard time and we're looking forward to the time when we can rejoice again, right? Reading those Psalms, mm. you know, it, 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 it shows us the promise, right? So that it becomes, I think that's part of the, the whole great promise and joy of the Psalms is that they, that when, when you pray them, you pray them in, in, in a way that you may not always be feeling what the psalmist is feeling right then, but you learn to enter into that experience, yeah, and I mean that's probably what a lot of people at the foot of the cross, whenever that when Jesus was saying, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" They realized, "Well, time out. Why is he praying this?" Because that's not re- you know it was just kind of like he was setting it up for the next part of the psalm, not necessarily why have you forsaken me. Uh, yeah, but know, I think the people at the cross when they heard that. They knew exactly what psalm what? he was talking well, about. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, and, and they saw they saw the. Is that what you were saying? Yeah, that's what okay, I was saying. Okay, I misunderstood. I misunderstood what you said. Maybe I wasn't articulate enough, okay. but that's what I was trying to okay, say. Okay, like, yeah. So, so yeah. this is why I think it's so important to pray the psalms. It not only just even when we don't feel like, but almost like especially when we don't feel like it, because it's not all about feelings. Prayer is not really about feelings. Prayer is yeah. about love will. and devotion. It's in the will, and uh, in the intellect. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So well, and in those moments when you mm-hmm. don't feel like praying, the intellect, not yeah. yeah. You know, both. the Psalms, I think, are especially valuable in those moments uh, because when I have the, when I don't feel like praying, I don't know what to say. Exactly. I don't. It's like I have no words Ex- to say, so I can turn to the Psalms and read them. And it's like here now I can still pray well with, uh, you know, and I don't have to come up with something to say. I don't I just don't want to say to you, God, you know, in, in those moments. Yeah, and I think that's, that's so important in particularly in the worst moments, right? If, when somebody is is sick in the hospital that's not when they're at their most creative mm. uh, by know, any stretch I, I understand that and, and and so on and so forth down the line right so so that's why I think not the, the Psalms then work in two ways because well they work in many ways but in this sense that we're talking about they work in two ways they train us how to pray we learn the language of prayer from mm. the Psalms yeah but also we learn the Psalms themselves and we enter into those specific prayers which is the most important part because these are the prayers that our Lord has given to us right? so in most of Scripture they can be understood as, as God talking to us 
the Psalms are interesting because they're God talking to us and us talking back to God. They're a conversation always because they're, they're both sides together. Yeah, the Psalms really are liturgical because in, you know, Psalms, it means songs, and so they were probably used in they were definitely used in, in the temple ceremonies. Yeah, the early liturgies that would have been probably people talking to God, God talking. You know, represented well, that conversation literally representing well, the halal psalms, especially that things that say Alleluia and such. They had to do. They were sung during uh, the Passover, right? And things like that. Yeah. So I mean, they were very specific. Um, like but, that's even in the gospel when. Right before they go out into the the Garden of Gethsemane, one of the Gospels, I don't remember which, but it says, they sang a song and then went out. So that would have been the great Hallel that that was part of that. Well, and also there's connections there that you see, like Psalms 117, uh, uh, blessed be the man who comes in the name of the Lord. This is done during the triumphal entry, but that's one of the Paschal Psalms. So as our Lord is entering in, you have these people singing this psalm, but the psalm belongs to the Paschal mystery. And then so uh, then as as you go... uh, this is now, that's now as part of the Mass, right? Mm-hmm. That's part of the, the... Yeah. So, Adam, I want to echo what you said because it, I was the same way. When I used to, about five years ago for Lent, mm-hmm. I said, I'm going to do the daily readings every day, you know? And uh, when I do Lent stuff, I try to say, this is some, a habit I wish I had, so I'm gonna, I can make myself do it during Lent, and then hopefully I can keep doing it. So that's what I try to do. I've been able to do that, and so I still read the daily readings, but for a long time, I would get to the Psalms and be annoyed that it's like, I have to keep repeating the same phrase, you know? Mm-hmm. And I would think in the Psalms, it, when you read the Psalms, they don't, it's not repeated, right. you know? And so in the beginning, I wouldn't repeat it. I right. would just read it as if it was in the Psalms. But now when I read it, that verse that you repeat, man, I just, I really love Is it. it. it Lexio Divina's you? Yeah, like I just really... It's something, the Psalms are just so juicy, you can really pour your heart into them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now, like you in the beginning, I didn't really like the Psalms. I thought they were kind of an annoyance. Although when I look back, I realize I was doing the whole thing, trying to finish. Right. You know, I, well, I wasn't I wasn't and it, leisuring in the scriptures. Okay, so I was just about to say that. Like, we talk about leisure all the time on the Catholic Man Show, and one of the things, like, this is a an act of leisure. It's not about trying it's to finish. It's not a race. It's mm-hmm. not a race. It's about... You know, just uh, like the rosary. By the way, have you guys had the cookies with the with the port? <laughs> so those are, those it's are really good. These pumpkin, uh, pumpkin chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. They, thank you, Katie. Thank pumpkin, you. the cookies with the port. It's good with the the brownies. Anyway, it just it seems like that the more that my spiritual life matures, the more I can actually relate to the Psalms and and I can appreciate them. Beforehand, I was just reading it. You know, there's times that I've read Thomas Aquinas. And I was just reading it. I was like, yep, I have no idea what, like, I have absolutely no idea what he just said. Yeah, that happened to me today. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know what he just said. It's not worth me reading this. So the That's Psalms, how I felt. There's a great quote, and I'm going to do it from St. Basil on this, because he says, the Psalms are the elementary exposition of beginners, the improvement. The, el- <laughs> the elementary exposition of beginners. So it's basically, this is how you get started, right? They're the improvement. The beginning, and, the beginning. And the beginning was too tough for me. The, be- the beginning... <laughs> Ex- the beginning uh, description for beginners. Yep. And the improvement the of the advancing. Of the okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay. The solid support of the perfect and the voice of the church. So we sing, look, if you're a beginner... Who said that? St. Basil. If, if you're a beginner, what do you need? The Psalms. If you're, you know, if you're advanced, what do you need? The Psalms. Mm-hmm. And if you're already perfect, 
that f- small list. Yeah. What do you need? The Psalms to stay there, right? The, the Psalms are for everyone at every stage in the spiritual life. And, uh, and I think that's, as St. Thomas says, they contain the whole, the whole of scripture. Yeah. That's his, that's his, his line. And it's, it's, it's an, it's an amazing thought. It's, uh, I got another one from St. Here, this Athanasius. If thou meditate on these things and study the Psalms, thou shalt be able under the guidance of the spirit to grasp their meaning. And thou shalt emulate, emulate the life of the ins- divinely inspired men who uttered these words. So he's encouraging someone because they wanted to learn, they wanted to start studying scripture, mm-hmm. and he's writing a letter back and says, "You're beginning well because you're beginning with the Psalms, and in fact, this is this is this is the spiritual life, and it's contained here." Hmm. Yeah, it's and to put them together with the Gospels the way the Church has done mm-hmm. is just so beautiful. Well, it's just a perfect bridge between the first and, and second reading. Yeah, so I've just really gotten a lot out of reading the daily readings, because kind of like what you said, I wish I loved, you wished, I don't know, maybe that was before we got started, but you wished, you said you wished you loved the scripture more. Yeah, and I definitely I, oh, I, do. I'm the same way. And it's like, what do you read? Well, if I'm going to read the scripture, like, shouldn't I read the gospel? Right. You know, like, if I have time to read, should I, should be reading anything else? But to, So allowing yourself, no, I'm going to read, this is what the church is giving me to read today. And it gives you a good uh, you know, uh, variety throughout the scriptures, you know, over a three-year cycle. Repeats often enough, but not too often. Mm-hmm. It's just, the church is so good. Yeah, I was just pulling out a St. Thomas quote, very much related to what you're saying about the Psalter. And he winds up saying, and this is the reason why the Psalter is read more often in the church, because it contains the whole of scripture. Hmm. So basically, all the other parts of scripture, you've got prophecy, you've got the law, you've got this, you've got that. The Psalms has... All of those things conducted, as, as St. Thomas says, under yeah, the mode of praise. That's true, and the Church still does that. We repeat psalms more than we repeat a gospel, more than we repeat anything. Well, I think that the whole the whole divine office is centered on the psalms. Now, there are <laughs> other parts to it, other hymns and other, and other sermons and things like that, but the core of the prayer of the Church uh, is the psalms. Yeah. And it, it's, I mean, it's the, it's the voice of the Church, it's the voice of Christ. So. And like Father Thomas White said in one of his lectures, he, he mentioned that it's actually one of the only books that we hear somebody talking to God, yeah. you, you yeah. know, talking to God through the whole thing. It's like a, almost a testimony of his life talking to God, right? which is very interesting. It's not God talking to him. It, it's God. It's him talking to God. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's very, and, and it, and it, but in, through the inspired words of God himself, it's very, mm-hmm. right, it's which like, is, it's, 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 it's a, very deep. Sir. It's a, uh, <laughs> so 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 I wanted to add a quote because uh, the saints are of course where we kind of there are school here on how to do this. So how sure. do you pray? Like what's the disposition to pray? Oh, do we have time? Can well, let's 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 wait. Let, okay. Let's catch it on the other side of the break. Yeah. And while we're on break, just to get people to maybe tune into our YouTube channel, I also have a question for you uh, on the Latin Mass on why we don't why there's not a first reading at the Latin Mass. Oh, okay. At least that that I'm not aware of. Why did I have an Old Testament reading? So don't answer now. Okay, I'll wait. Because I may be wrong. Wait, I may, I'll, maybe I'll maybe like it's this. a wrong question. Yeah. Like I'm about maybe. to answer. So anyway, then, yeah. we'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. You always have to do that every every show. You have to at least bring us back like going. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. Let's get ready to rumble. Yeah, builds momentum. Yeah. 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 Just uh, sitting here pounding brownies and cookies in moderation <laughs> to go with my port. It's for the port. Yeah, well, to, you've, you've it balances the bottle it out, said right? to do it. You've so, been like going like three brownies to one sip. <laughs> it's uh, you know. So what goes better with Earl Grey, the brownies or the cookies? Ooh, you'd have to try both. I think. Yeah, I think I think both would be the answer to that. Yeah, maybe at the same time. Maybe. Anyway, can you pass me a cookie? Uh, with with delight. So yeah. So the, before the break, I was gonna say the disposition to pray the psalm. How do we how do we enter into it? So mm-hmm. so I, this is a, a a lovely quote. Thanks from Saint Augustine, and he says, uh, "If the psalm pray, you pray, and if it laments, you lament, and if it joys, rejoice, and if it hopes, hope, and if it fears, fear. For all that is here written is a mirror for us." Hmm. Wow. So, yeah. so this is this is an idea. I feel that, like that's that, what I've been trying to say this whole time. That he's bringing out that, that the Psalms are informative as the rest of Scripture, as in they're teaching us something, but they're also changing us. Like they're performative. They're, like in the very praying of them, we enter into them in a way that's unique in Scripture, that, that they become our own voice. We take them inside and, and that we are changed in some sense into a participation in the whole Christ offering this this prayer right so that it, it we are praying ourselves mm. personally but we are praying as part of the body of Christ body of Christ is one with the head that this is this is one whole Christ offering the prayer do you want to say an answer for some people why they're numbered differently like like yeah. you know you're one off on some of the you know depending yeah, so on where you're looking we started into that we were talking about the the um, kind of the history of the Psalms and stuff like that. So the Septuagint numbering, the Greek numbering, is very slightly different than the Hebrew numbering. And uh, that Hebrews couldn't count. Is that what it was? Uh, uh, Just not very good. At, that's why they were wandering the, for forty years. It's like guys. It's like it's like it's like three years. Okay, Abraham wasn't nine hundred years old. You guys have a anyway. I'm just uh, kidding about all that. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> Clearly, accounting yeah. problem. So the it the big the big start starts at Psalm nine slash ten. So in the so one through eight, everybody's like, "Yep, these are definitely one." We know for for sure one through eight. These are one through so eight. So in in the Septuagint, and this is and then which was the Bible of the early church. So the 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 church the the all the Latin translations kind of follow this 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 route. Psalm nine is in the later Hebrew numbering 9 and 10. It's split in half, so everything gets off by 1. But it comes back again. There's still only 150. So Psalms Psalm 113 in the Septuagint is Psalms 114 and 15 in the Hebrew. Then 114 and 15 in the Septuagint is only Psalm 116 in the Hebrew. And then Psalm 146 and 147 in the Septuagint is Psalm 147 in the Hebrew. So they by, by now, so you've got the kind of like they're going back and forth until at 147 
they're back in sync again. So from one, you know, the, the, right there at the very right, end, right at the very end, sliding so, into home. <laughs> no, no matter how you slice it, it comes out each way. And, and the, you know, there's always been this tension that, that it's not like the church didn't know about the different versions. So when, so there's the old Latin version of the Psalms and uh, Pope Damasus sends Jerome out to do a new translation of the scriptures in general. This is in the 380s. Mm-hmm. So 383, he sends back his first version of the Psalter. And there's some debate whether or not that was his version or if he's like just sending back what he what he found. is like, okay, this is what it's like right now. But anyway, so that becomes the Roman Psalter. And that was used in Rome up until the modern day, like in St. Peter's and stuff. And that's the Psalms as they're in the Missal, the Roman Missal. But then he translates them again in 387, and that becomes the Gallican Psalter, is what it's called, because it first gets picked up in France. and then. But that becomes the standard in the Vulgate. So that's the one in the Bible, hmm. and then ultimately in, okay. the, in the in the breviary. So that's what most people are chanting and singing and all the rest. Hmm. And then he he's not done yet, so he goes back and he translates now directly from the Hebrew. And that's done in like 340-something, I think so I wrote it down. So St. Jerome, is, he's translating the, the Psalms from Greek into Latin, and then from Hebrew into Latin. Yep, yep, and he does that. Now, that one is also published, and it's, and it's, it's you know, you know, pr- uh, not printed, but re- copied out this whole time, but it never enters the liturgy, right? So there's, there's, it's not, it's not what you're, you know, you're not going to go to a Benedictine monastery and hear them chanting the Hebrew translation, Hebrew into Latin translation that J- Jerome did, but, I mean, he that's, did it. That's too bad, because so it's probably the most accurate. Well, it sort of depends on, on, that's a huge debate on that, actually, because there was a thought, and I was kind of building up to this with the idea that with the different marks and stuff like that, well, maybe the Septuagint and the Hebrew Psalters don't agree exactly because uh, there were copying differences, because, well, like I said, no consonants, no vowels, mm, no, yeah, no yeah, breaks, yeah. no all that stuff. But now that we've found the Dead Sea Scrolls and stuff, we see that there might have just been somehow, and there's a great mystery around this, different textual traditions that, that you wound up with with slightly different versions of the Psalter existing side by side at the same time. So not a copying mm-hmm. error per se or anything like that. Not that I'd say yeah. it was an error. They need, because, t- they need textual healing. I will say St. Augustine, St. Augustine <laughs> is fully aware of these differences, by the way, and simply regards both as inspired. I want to be really clear about oh, okay. that. Okay, that's yeah, right. that's interesting. Be- because because the question here is like, was one an error? And he's like, no, God has protected His church. You don't want to go around thinking that like the Septuagint, oh, that was just a bad copy or something like that. No, right. no, no, no. If there's a difference, then then that Saint Augustine says, well, you know, this, to a certain extent, this is resolved in mystery. But we know that 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 God has protected His word. And, uh, and you which know. is why today we would say, well, is the is the RSV or the NAB? We can we can look at them both and say. It's the word of God. We don't believe in, I mean, even though there can be legitimate debate on which is a better translation, and you yeah, know, yeah, is it yeah. a literal translation or is it you try and get the spirit of it, but we don't believe in inspired, divinely inspired translations. We believe in just that yeah, all the, the there all, is the word of God. Yeah, so the, the thing about that is that the, the Vulgate is the only translation that the church has spoken even particularly authoritatively on in that way. Obviously, for any translation to be published, it has to get permission and things like that. But the Vulgate, mm-hmm. sure. the, the church very emphatically declared was free from doctrinal error. But if you think about what that's saying, it, it's not its not quite the same thing as saying that it's an absolutely perfect translation in mm-hmm. all respects. Right. Right. Yeah, it's like right. an imprimatur. So, well, it, yeah, but then taken up a notch, right? Because, okay. because okay. It's, it's the church teaching... 
I mean, this is something you actually absolutely have to hold that the Vulgate is not is is free from error because it had been the the, the Bible of the Church from Jerome all the way through Trent and and onward into so it's the like modern a day. Do, like a dogmatic declaration. Yeah, almost. it's a dog, it be, yeah yeah absolutely because the the thing about well strictly speaking I don't think it would be a dogmatic one because of that has to do with. Uh, Revelation uh, yeah, I just mean it's similar. It's, in yeah, the, but no, but yeah, in it's, that it's, it's, it, it's it's a it's a it's a decree that this is so, uh, that must be believed because okay. you can't you can't imagine that the church that you can't go back and say, look, oh man, we got the Bible wrong, you know? Right there, that's opening up a lot of yeah, yeah. You can't. But, I mean, this is actually this comes out of of after after the the Reformation and people saying, well, you shouldn't have had that one, you shouldn't have had this book, and you shouldn't have that. Yeah. And the, no, it, the, the the church says no, you must receive the Vulgate complete and entire with all its parts. I mean, if you're going to do that, you're going to call into, you'd have to call into question everything in the, uh, the Pentateuch, you know, because Abraham or uh, Moses is writing this down. He's writing down things that have been passed down oral tradition for who knows how many, like, some the, of, some like Genesis, it, the creation story. Uh, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to stop. Cause I don't think, I don't think strictly speaking that the tradition of the church would be that that had been passed down to Moses. Uh, St. Gregory, writing about prophecy, talks about Moses, and he uses Moses' example here of a prophet that sees backwards, right? So there's prophets that see the future, and there's prophets that see the past. Okay. And Moses is is Interesting. is, is hmm. regarded as the, one of the prophets that sees the past. He see he's he has this revealed to him. Okay, but he, uh, but he could on. have had it revealed to him through. I mean, th- it is possible through oral tradition. I say that because Bishop Slattery preached on this one day about. The oral tradition, but anyway. Okay, I want to go back to the Psalms really fast because let's talk about. Uh, as a guy who's listening to this right now, it says, "Okay, I'm going to start reading the Psalms." Does Saint Thomas Aquinas or does somebody have an idea of like here? Should, should we read it from Psalm one to oh, to fifty? Yeah. Like so, one fifty. My daily Psalm, right? Okay, just pick out morning and evening prayer, and pray them. So prime and compline. Now, I'm not saying that you if you can do more, do more. Right? If you can do the whole thing, do the whole thing. But just get started and just pray with the church. Mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's the answer. If you're if it's midday and you need to sit down and pray the psalms set for that part of the day, because what we're talking about in the psalter and now also if you have a need, there is the, the my daily psalm has a nice has a nice little uh, balance between are you you know are are you are you depressed are you rejoicing are you that you know are you sick. You know, it has it has kind of a table. Saint um, Athanasius. In yeah, that there's letter. like an index at the back that. Yeah, but Saint Athanasius has a great list of these two, and he's like, for he goes through all sorts of conditions people be in, or can be in. Are you being persecuted? Are you are you just you know over the moon blessed right now? Are do you want to praise God? Do you have you know do you, are do you, are you struggling right now? Are you now? struggling? Yeah. And he's got just like this list. Okay, then go read that psalm. Then go read this psalm. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think so. You can do it either way. Like if you need something, go read it. Yeah. Go find it and read it. It's there. There's no. There's basically nothing that can happen to man that doesn't have a prayer in the Psalms. Yeah. Especially if you're looking for some structure to your prayer life. If you're saying, "Hey, I want to, you know, have something more formal, structurized," then well, turn to the Psalms. Saint Teresa said that it took her 20 years before she could pray without a book. Thomas, it's always a blast to have you on. Uh, only promise to me you, you'll do it again. You come back on? Yep. Yep. Sweet. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. Cheers. And cheers to Jesus. So why the Psalms? Wait, okay, right? so for the podcast...
This is just one thing we didn't get to mention this, yeah. on the episode. Now we're going to give it to you. Yeah, and this is this is where we wanted to get to say why the Psalms. You know why, why the Psalms? Why the Psalms? Kind of important thing it's, that we did. It's a big one. Yeah, yeah. This is why you got to subscribe to the podcast, people. You know, because <laughs> they can't hear YouTube. The, the people that can hear that are already already subscribed. I know, but got to tell your friends. All right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What in fact can you not learn from the Psalms? Can you not learn the grandeur of cur- courage? The exactness of justice, the nobility of self-control, the perfection of prudence, a manner of penance, the measure of patience, and whatever other good things you might mention, therein is perfect theology, a prediction of the coming of Christ in the flesh, a threat of judgment, a hope of resurrection, a fear of punishment, promises of glory, an unveiling of mysteries, all things as if in some great public treasury are stored up in the book of Psalms. That's St. Basil. Boom. He had a lot of good things to say. Yeah, he's got so okay. Things he's always people, stealing my material, which Saint Augustine says is fine, right? Because all he said basically all good preaching, or in this case, you know, good exposition comes from God. So you're not really stealing if you if you if you quote somebody else. Yeah, so, yeah. I think I said that once. Yeah, <laughs> he stole it from Saint Augustine, but he doesn't mind. He's stealing it from me. I'm telling you. There you go. Look, you know, like prayer transcends time divine inspiration he sent it to me first okay wait forward I, got in a, time. I got a quote on that i got a quote then on he too. sent it to saint augustine i gotta i gotta get i'll pull out all the quotes that, that people didn't get uh in the actual thing really great beard by the way thomas really great it is thank you especially on the I camera thought, actually i thought you were talking about me i was really gonna i was beard. gonna mention your like uh my oh. wife just had a baby beard yeah all right so i said baby beard <laughs> Uh, okay, here's the part from St. Augustine, and he's talking about the totus Christus again, the whole Christ praying. Okay. But he says... Uh, but just the head and the body. <laughs> so so there's a thing that said, there's a, there's a prayer in one of the Psalms, you know, from from uh, from men of blood or from bloody men, d- deliver me. It's about persecution, right? Okay. So, mm-hmm. so he says here, uh, from men of bloods is delivered Christ, both from them that have been and from them that are and from them that are to be, there is delivered Christ. Both he that has gone before, and he that is, and he that is to come. For Christ is the whole body of Christ, and whatsoever good Christians that now are, and that have been before us, and that after us are to be, are an whole Christ who is delivered. So this is the idea, too, of like when you enter into the prayer of the church, you're praying with every Christian that has been before, every Christian that is, and every Christian that ever will be praying in Christ. That's yeah. the whole of the church mm. as well. I'm glad you mentioned that, because that's one of the most beautiful things about the Liturgy of the Hours, is because here you are praying the same things that men for thousand, not even 2,000 years, for like 3,000 3, years, years, because that's, have been praying. That's why, that's why, while it's not the whole the whole thing. That's why I think I'm gonna hold this up again. The My Daily Psalm, right? Because you're. It you're, doesn't have all all the psalms in it. Is that what you're saying? No, it's got all the psalms. But I mean, oh, the, it doesn't have litur- all the liturgy, the hour prayers, right? Exactly, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. But the the psalms make up the core of the divine office. They make oh, up yeah. the core by of the, by a long shot. Oh yeah, and the, the the core of the 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 early liturgy of the church is all centered around the psalms. It it it, it formalizes ultimately into eight times a day. But before that, I mean, it's a minimum of four times a day. St. Augustine talks about praying at least four times a day. But he's recommending this to lay people, to pray at least, you know, when you get up in the morning, pray a psalm. Sometime during the day, pray a psalm. In the evening, pray a psalm. And when you go to bed, pray a yeah. psalm. 
The Muslims are making us look bad, they, and they, I hate it when that happens. That comes that that tradition comes from us, right? So they they adopted the the, the standard prayer of the church. They and, didn't. I mean, that, they that didn't mean, just adopt it. They took it from us. Well, but the, the thing is that, that it was it was. We don't have it anymore. We well, uh, we should. Clear Creek would disagree with you. Well, Clear I mean, Creek like for the 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 layman, the yeah. But they but the point is that when 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 that comes about, you know. This this is only in the year six hundred and on, right? The church mm. has, and before them, Judaism had, or or really, Judaism isn't right quite the the full term because you're like the whole people of Israel going all the way back. You know, it it, 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 it Israel has had since David this this tradition, and the church brings it forward. And um, Cardinal Newman talks about this as well that the prayers are such that. They, the church never attempted to replace them, right? There's no New Testament psalms. Oh, we have our prayers and things like that, but the psalms remain... Oh, the 60s disagree, my friend. <laughs> the psalms and... <laughs> remain the core of the prayer of the church. Of, 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 you know, good Fulton Sheen type, like the kahal, the, 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 the household, the church, the ecclesia, mm-hmm. from, from Old Testament to New. I just wish we, we had... The music, you know, they didn't have a way of writing down and notating music yeah, back then. Yeah, so I, I got, I, we didn't get into that as well. That so would be so incredible. There's at least a theory, mind you. Now, I'm not saying that this is true, because this is like one of the, the trickiest, like, is it true or not? There's, there's, so when you've got the, so the Masoretes, uh, in, uh, starting probably in their section, they start adding the little vowel markers, right? To, to, so you've got the thing, you didn't have vowels in it, they start adding vowel markers to the Hebrew. They also add other marks, and the question is, what are they? And one of the ideas is that they're so-called cantillations, and that they're actually musical directions. And so there's there are some people who have attempted to recreate the music of the Psalms from the little... Probably key. sucks, doesn't it? Actually, it's really cool, but is it what it really sounded like? I, I don't think... I mean, there's no way to know that. We don't even really know what spoken Hebrew sounded like, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we've got spoken Hebrew now. We don't now. even know what Latin sounded like. No, we can guess better because it was, you know... Sure, yeah. yeah. But, but we don't know. But certainly... Are you, I mean, is I will, it winnie witty wiki vini vidi vici We don't know. Yeah, I mean... I, don't, we don't, we're not going down there. I'm just saying we don't know. I'm just saying... Okay, he's, saying I'm, he's saying you're wrong. If it's winnie witty wiki I would be so pissed. Like, that's just the, the lamest thing. I know, and it's probably true, but it doesn't sound as cool, does it's, it? It's vini vidi vici. I'm going to say... Which is why the church has its own ecclesiastical yeah. Latin that just plain just, sounds we cooler just fixed it. than it's like, classical you know what? Latin. It's like the Italian sounds pretty good. Let's just let's just say it like that. Yeah. So we we we, we went we, we improved it. Yeah. Yeah. We kept Latin, but then we made it better. Yeah. But if we don't know how Latin was spoken, how much less do we know Hebrew? Yeah, I mean, I I, think, I mean, like from back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, the, the, this is kind of what I was getting at as well. With the before and after the Babylonian captivity, you have Hebrew move from a colloquial, just like everyday vernacular language, into a liturgical language. So Hebrew is retained, mm-hmm. but it's now it's now a liturgical language that's in much like the sense that we have ecclesiastical Latin. You would have wound up with like you know in quotes ecclesiastical Hebrew because everybody's speaking Aramaic within that area and then outside they basically 
began speaking Greek. Mm-hmm. And so you wind up with the Targums. Which was good. There's a lot of, I mean, really good things about the fact that people started speaking Greek. Well, yeah, there's a lot of good to it. But so you wind up with the Targums being an Aramaic kind of like paraphrase translation of the Old Testament and of the Psalms for the people that spoke Aramaic only. Right, because they mm. couldn't. They couldn't really. I've never heard of the Targums. Yeah. So, and then you wind up with with the Septuagint for the Greek speaking, and then and then ultimately you reach the church. But I mean, but but I'm talking about I'm talking about all right now about pre-church translations because, like I said, Aramaic is the common spoken language by then. It now that script is adopted for the scriptures as well. Right, that way of writing the kind of square letters that we're yeah. used to. That's not ancient Hebrew. That's that's uh, this newer style of lettering. We've been lied to. Well, <laughs> I'm just you know, it's, I mean, uh, the Alquin Institute, you know, yeah. blessed Alquin of York, he was the one who, if anything that you're reading has spaces, periods, commas, then it's going to be after the Char- after Charlemagne and because of Alquin yeah, of York, the, he gave those things yeah, to the, everybody. Minuscules and majuscules, so that's what we call upper and lowercase, but there's a fancier name for it, minuscule and majuscule. Oh, I'm, I'm calling that from now on. Ooh, that's yeah, way that's, cooler. Yeah, and, 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 you've yeah. Got, and you've got the spaces. So, and then, so. I'm going to teach my kids so that they don't <laughs> even know what upper and lowercase means. Yeah. Do you mean majuscules? <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, and then you get spaces, like you said, and punctuation of various sorts. Because if you look at the... Reading would have been terrible. Nobody oh, yeah. nobody would have like, oh, I love reading back in the day. Yeah, you know, it's one of these things that's like, you, you've got it, like, it's all a one... Now, they had vowels at least, right? right. Vowels yeah, make yeah, a yeah. huge difference, yeah, I'm just no saying. But, the, it, but it was like one long run on... I, you couldn't even really call it a yeah. sentence because it didn't end or change... It just kept. It was just kept going. It just kept going. Reading back then was so terrible. You'd like try to tell someone, "Look, oh. learn to read. You can be educated, and you can be, become wealthy." And people would try to be like, "You know what? I'll just stay poor." Well, the That's Psalm, fine. The Psalms would have been slightly easier because they would. I think they would have still been grouped in stanzas. I, I haven't seen them written out in a different way than that. But you'd still at least get like one stanza. A short line, yeah. Yeah, uh, which is interesting. I, you know, this is a poetic aspect of this, but we didn't really even. This is so much we can get into, but the poetry of the Psalms is not rhyming or anything like that. Right. It's it's an idea followed by another idea mm-hmm. in a kind of pair. Yeah. And that that the second idea either repeats the first idea, maybe word for word, but usually like in a different way, and or it contradicts the idea, or it kind of like just builds on it. Mm-hmm. So it's like yeah, it's it's one of those three things. We can I have out seen very beautiful like translations though that do rhyme. Well, they might. Of the Psalms. Yeah, yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that, but the point is, it's one of the reasons the Psalms translate so well into any language, right? Because the, mm. the, the nature of the poetry is not related to the structure of the language very much. Mm. It's related to the structure of the ideas. Yeah. Now, mm. there are some Psalms that are acrostics, like every stanza or every begins with a different letter of the, of the Hebrew alphabet. Uh, Psalms 118 is this way. So it's like eight stanzas, each of which lines of which begins... Okay, let me change that. Every letter has eight stanzas attached to it. That's why that's a very long psalm. It's the longest psalm there is. And every one of those begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet, you know, from start to finish. It's probably wow. a, probably an aid to memory, but it's not the only acrostic psalm, but there's several of those. So they would do that for every Hebrew Hebrew letter would have eight stanzas? Yeah, on, on Psalms 118. How does. many letters do they have? That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, it, without vowels, it wouldn't be as many as we have. Yeah, Correct. So, but the, I've only ever seen one English translation try to reproduce that. Uh, Monsignor Knox's translation mm. of the Psalms. He mm. on the acrostic Psalms. He tries to to keep an English letter that 
still captures the idea, but that starts each line that way so that it follows the acrostic pattern. But of course, it's not going to be the same because it's this different alphabet. I'd like to find out what the translation they use at Clear Creek, the English trans- translation. Obviously, they don't pray in English. But if you go to pray with them, they have these books in the back, yeah. you know, especially sext. I know that it rhymes and it's incredibly beautiful, mm-hmm. you know, and I've every time I read it, I'm so impressed how they could maintain the integrity and beauty of the Psalms and make it rhyme. It's just an, it, it should be in the incredible. front. Yeah, I don't know which one that one is. One thing I have noticed is about when you see translations meant for the office, and they're often Latin, English side by side, as they are there at Clear Creek, mm-hmm. they, they often right. use um, more like literal and often Latin and Latin cognate words. So like the English word that kind of sounds like the Latin word mm-hmm. so that it's easier to follow, mm-hmm. which I think often works out better because I mean, a lot of our words come from Latin anyway. So if you have the option between like the Latin-y sounding word and the not Latin-y sounding word, it's it's often like when you're trying to do them side by side like that, just like pick the pick the easy one. Right. right. Yeah. And I think that works out pretty but well. But back to the whole thing that we started this sidebar with the music and the tones. I'm guessing that whatever it was they were singing back in the day, it was not as probably not as beautiful as the Gregorian chant that we have today. But just because, like, that is just. I mean, I, I don't know. I so mean, Gregorian beautiful. chant. Don't get me wrong. Gregorian chant is don't, fantastic. Don't say it, Thomas. And beautiful. Do not. Uh, I will say, Saint Gregorian Gregory chant will come down here. Does grow out of the tradition of singing the Psalms in in, in Israel, and so you have Gregorian chant being a kind of child of the old roman style of chanting and the the hebrew style of chanting hmm. right and so that gregorian chant very much organically grows out of that and uh and so it, it's one of these things it's almost not so much competition as it is just literally like the the the, the progression of of what had been done before i really like the patience of gregorian chant hmm. just like well, we've got a, quite a rich you know what I mean? chanting That's tradition as well. I mean, if you listen to what do you mean we? What are you talking about? We the, have the, 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 the in in the West, Rome, Western right. Church. Okay, so Cistercian chant sounds pretty different. Ambrosian chant sounds similar, but kind of like even more relaxed. Well, Gregorian isn't that? That is Western, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But what I'm saying is, we've got more than just Gregorian ways yeah, of chanting. We've got the multiple of the West. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. The West has very. Just when you think I'm in the East, I'm actually in the West. Just when you think you know me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, and of course, Eastern chanting styles as well. You've got um, so Father Donovan, right? So Father Donovan and I got to stay at this monastery in uh, Belgium once. Uh, called Shevatonia, and it's a really interesting monastery that's uh, got monks that celebrate both in the Eastern and the Western rites, right? So they Strange. Sing, yeah, so they, they sing the Eastern office, they sing the Western office. Hmm. And uh, so that to, to, to be there for Vespers and they're chanting an old church Slavonic, so back, you know, it's like ancient, ancient, but the, the sound is just completely different style, hmm. but it's it's different style, It's but it's still chanted, and... Mm-hmm. If I got through it, St. Athanasius has some great things. Is there any Asian chant? I would assume so. Okay, so I'll just grab... This is just one of the the things about singing. Uh, St. Athanasius talks about how it's it's for the soul's profit that the psalms are sung. And he he goes on, basically, that that in singing the psalms, uh, you, uh, you heal your soul. He's very big on the singing. Like, obviously... If, 
you don't have to sing it to, to pray it. Mm-hmm. But but yeah. if you do want to sing it, there's it is, an idea. It is nice when you sing it, though. Yeah, it, it is nice. It not only, it's it's beautiful. And you learn it. You learn extent. it real fast. It, it requires the concentration of mind and body and spirit, so it's refreshing. Uh, they're, they're, now, it may not be, depending on your voice, it may not be as refreshing for the people around you as otherwise. But if you have a lovely voice, he actually talks about the idea or not, you know, that that the psalm produces in the hearers the same effects that it's producing mm-hmm. in the singer. That mm-hmm. it's that it that it that basically it's 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 the spreading of the of the of the. That's word. one of the nice things about chant, though, is that chant is slight. It's different from singing, and uh, you can actually learn. If you're a bad singer, you can still learn to chant. Mm-hmm. Not like not that you're going to be great, but right. you can actually learn to do it well. Okay, so I'm gonna ra- I'm gonna wrap up by giving it let's do let's give a teaser on different topics that that we've talked about possibly doing on the catholic man show and then that way because we'll post this this part on the podcast and if somebody has a a a preference on one of the topics that we talk about maybe we'll do that one first so one of the ones that we've talked about before is limbo Mm -hmm. which is a a tough one which which is a tough topic but hey you know there's a warning on the catholic man show at the beginning anyway um, so, so that, that, that would be one. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about grace and, and nature. Mm. Um, that one would be, that would probably be like a three part series. I mean, it would be like, but I'm going like this because we almost would have to do nature and grace in order to do limbo. Uh, like, but, but the nature and Thomas, grace episode, you make everything so hard, man. But, but the nature and grace episode would take, uh, it's, it, I mean, this would be like a, a, a Joe Rogan three hour, three and a half hour <laughs> sit down uh, to get through it. Yeah. It's, Which I'm okay with. Like, personally, I in, I, I, I prefer I, I, actually a longer discussion format because I can actually start feeling comfortable and like, let, let's, yeah. let's start talking. Yeah. Like, um, I would be okay with that. But uh, that would be one. What, what else? Have oh, we another done? one we talked about was like heavily gray but still technically legal areas of tax evasion. I we could do a show that on that. One, we I, should like pull his his mic plug. You know, see, see. Heavily, <laughs> heavily gray areas, I'll, but technically legal. I'll let you take that one. Yeah. Look, I think, the I think advisor. the people would really like to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Might be our most popular episode. You can do that. Uh, what else have we talked about, Thomas? We've talked about we've talked about we did talk about one on the history of the scriptures as well. So Kyle, that's right. Oh yes. yeah, we mentioned that one today. And now and that would be one that would it's not like it's not like oh let's have a reflection on you know John one or something. It's like <laughs> kind of like what we talked about with some of the Psalms. You know when were they written? How did were they collected? How were they preserved and transmitted and mm-hmm. used in the life of the church? Things like that. You know another one we could do kind of in the same topic is just about the liturgy of the hours. I know that we've done. Mm-hmm. The Liturgy of the Hours as a uh, a man gear before, but see, we've never actually talked about the history of them, like St. Benedict, come, well, you know, see, and I his development. I think you need to grab a monk for that, right? The, uh, uh, because, you know, I, I have, the I, ones I, I know, have like three on The ones out. I know don't like to leave. Yeah, that's kind of the thing. But, they're but they're the homebodies, man. Homebodies. I could say something on that, but they live that every day. Yeah. You want somebody that lives it. You know, it'd be a fun topic is is new versus old philosophy. Uh, that's that that's also a good three hour topic mm. right there. What about the uh, the pitfalls of the Latin Mass? That would be an interesting <laughs> one, actually, because I think <laughs> the pitfalls. I everything's got its everything's got its own peculiar like quirks, right? Mm-hmm. And I think I, I think that would be a potentially interesting one. I. Th- think 
I heard Father Ripperger give a talk on. That. I have I have heard him. I want to talk about divine simplicity at one point too. Okay, that that would be a good topic is divine simplicity. I don't know. Can you talk about that? Can I, you tell me what that means? Well, I can just repeat later, later d- after we're done. Can you? But but uh, you know this is one of these things. No, I've heard it definition definitionally, and it's like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so well, yeah. Uh, that's one. Of, we'll uh, pause. We'll pause because I don't want to leap into it. But no, we'll, yeah. We'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I could do that. And this is another one of those things that. Uh, so yes, with enough prep, again, you might like get Father Pine or somebody if you wanted to go like hardcore. Because again, he just did one with uh, Pines of Aquinas not too long ago, I think, on divine simplicity. I haven't listened to it yet. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah, but yeah. Father Pine is. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. He's fine. I mean, he is. I mean, it's worth one of these his weight in gold. I, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's tall. I mean, he, he's, he's not, a big man. He's not a lightweight. Did you know that? He's like six no. five. I've heard him speak. Yeah. When I, he when he came here, I was like, dang man, you should play basketball. Yeah, I've I've heard him speak, and he, he's a he's a wonderful speaker. But I had I've never seen so much as a picture of him that I know. And he of. he oh. kind of like he's young. I How did listen to your show. Is he younger than us? I bet. No. I, no. I, see, I thought maybe he was younger than us. No, I don't think so. I mean, like he was. No, like, he he definitely wasn't because he was in Steubenville before. He uh, was yeah. okay. Yeah. He was just saying things like dig. Yeah. And you know things like but I've so never heard of what else, say What that. else would you like to to okay. talk about? What would we like to talk? Okay, yeah. Because it, I think the next uh, the next show that we do, uh, we bail on the format altogether, and we just say here's like l- let's let's dig into a topic and we'll go we'll just keep you know, going. Joe, the first Catholic man show marathon. Like yeah, and we like, just go like we Joe Rogan it and just say like here's. Three hours, three and a half hours, or however long. I don't know. How oh, I don't know. No two potty hours. breaks. How, how, two hours. How like, bold are you? Because we've always got Dare We Hope. <laughs> I, would, I would love to talk about that. You know what we, else I want to talk about is... Um, I would love to talk about ba- uh, Balthazar. Yeah. I mean, I would love to talk about that. So, yeah. So, I would... Uh, you know, I've been... That's not... I mean, I, I'm not there yet because i've got a couple of books i want to finish but that actually might not be terrible timing because i was finishing a couple that are connected to that topic in one way or the other um so i mean i also want to talk about integralism with somebody gosh not me count the, me out the, the one guy you don't want to talk about integralism? Well, i do i do want to talk about it, but i just i like cat like the kind of i i'm, a, I'm the hip hype I'm yeah the hype, it's it's you know, i'm the hype man when it comes to that conversation fine fine you you can be the hype man for once. Okay. You have to be funny, though. That's the thing about the hype well, man. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Maybe I'd, you'll be a bad one. Yeah. I, I, I'm not the one for that one, by the way. That's I, that's like I don't a Harrison. Know yeah. I asked Harrison, I was gonna, but I was, he's the, since he's the chancellor, he's like, yeah, it wouldn't be. Yeah, prudent. I was going to. Yeah. Recom- I was actually like going to bring up his name, and then I would like stop myself because I'm like, well, maybe. He well, there's a lot of Harrisons in the world. Yeah. yeah. That Who's might be, may or <laughs> might not be chancellor. Yeah, no. Yeah, some but, point in but history. Yeah, no, I will just like try to. If you could edit snag him, he would be It'll the be good right. one to talk. I mean, to. he he just said it would kind of like be a conflict of interest, and I was like, yeah, I, I could see it it being imprudent for you as a chancellor not taking a side in mm. something. Well, especially since integralism is you know sort of it's it's not like okay, let's open up the catechism and see what exactly the the you know the the dogma related to this i is. think an integralist would would debate that yeah, I, think, I think i think i think would. he would say that's exactly what we're doing well yeah I, although I, you know, at least in my position you would be you'd still have this idea of like you take the dogma <laughs> and then you take <laughs> the principle right you've got to take the application right so i think yeah. integralism uh-huh. is the application 
for a certain set of principles. At least one. So one. You, you are taking a side here. Potentially. Potentially. I but don't know. you did. But you did. Well, but it, it depends. <laughs> I'm, I'm arguing now against a point that I don't even know if anyone's yeah, yeah, actually yeah, yeah. making. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. So there's but, a, lot of, a lot of things. So I think, do, do you think that'd be a good idea? Like maybe. A Joe Rogan? Yeah. Like. Do you maybe, think we could get Joe Rogan? No. I don't even know if I would want to get Joe Rogan, to be honest Dare with you. Dare we hope? Dare we <laughs> hope. It would be funny to be like, so Joe, what do you think about, what do you think about Pope Francis? He's not a big Catholic fan at all i know but we could in we fact could, like he's said some brutal things about yeah Catholics but that's just because like isn't that just because like the the rep of the catholic priests you know like in his mind catholic priests are yeah. all, all disgusting right but that's not true you know th- this makes me th- i could disabuse him of that notion i'm gonna go with this i mean this story i think we probably all know but about uh alec guinness who converted to catholicism but it was yeah, because my, of my that. My boy Alec. Yeah, I, yeah. It is Star Wars connection here. We're going to make the Star Wars. Mm-hmm. But the the it was because he was playing a priest in a movie, and yeah. this child walked up and just trusted him. Just ended. Well, no, he was in costume. Yeah, in public, yeah. and a child thought he was a priest. Exactly, mm-hmm. and so he came up and he held his hand and he was just babbling at him in French, I think it was, which he didn't understand because he was. And he was like, it, it was just such a moving thing to see that 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 heart of trust mm-hmm. and it, it it started him on his on his journey into yeah. the faith and i and think he, he was a uh, uh, practicing homosexual i believe i i don't know if he was practicing or not i do know that i it's, heard I mean, that he at had some point in his life at some point in his not life at the end of his i know life, that he right. had you know at least temptations in that way mm-hmm. but he 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 yeah cuz actually he was married yeah but anyway anyway, anyway. anyway we're, we're getting we're, off topic yeah. but the, 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 the the gist of Shocker. it is that i'm trying to get to is that to me, it's like it, this is one of the great like sort of heartache aspects of it is to see the shift in the public perception between, you know, Alec Guinness's day and today, mm-hmm. because that that's mm-hmm. although there was an interesting article recently about a, a man spending like 24 hours in a cassock in Chicago mm-hmm. and just the, the 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 sort of he said it was it was one of the easier uniforms to put on but one of the hardest to wear and piece of people are always coming to him and asking for prayer and asking for blessings well, and I, dude uh for halloween i dressed up as saint gerard which is our patron saint our family patron saint and i wore a cassock it was the first time i ever have you ever worn a cassock before no uh, so i borrowed a cassock and like wore it full-fledged and like it was very interesting to walk around halloween and, and just see the reaction of what people had I think I would have wanted to like neo kick people or mm-hmm. stuff. Okay, so let's let's do this because I think that this would be a good ending. Uh, like let's shoot, let, let's strive to have at the beginning of next year, sometime in January, which would give us a, a little over a full month yeah. uh, to come back and have you on and uh, have a long discussion. Yeah, we might potentially even do that over the like the holiday break. Maybe like, even the holiday time, break. Yeah. Might be a bit tough. I don't know if we'll have time, but yes. <laughs> Thomas, so, thanks so much, man. Thanks. It's a blast. Thanks. Dave, say the last word. The last word. <laughs>